guys, welcome to a very special episode of Bad History. Bad History. I am joined with Dave and wait, who's that? Who's, wait, the, that, who's that over there? Somebody there? What's Someone that? there? Who's that knocking on the door? I smell something. What is I, that? I, it's, we are joined this week by two very, very special guests from a podcast we have mentioned on this show before. It is Greg and Lauren from Movie Date Night Podcast. How are you guys doing tonight? Hey, doing pretty good, Dave. And how's it going? <laughs> Dave, and how's it going? <laughs> Greg just had a heart attack. We are a little bit older than you guys. I just so had a brain know. fart. Dave and Steve. It's okay. <laughs> Steven, you suck. I know. It's something I live with every day. Don't worry, Greg. I forget his name every now and then. Steven, what are we talking about this week? Okay, so this week um, we are kind of doing. I would, I would, guys, I would call this a two-parter almost. Um, okay. Because we're we're going to be jumping on y'all's podcast. Yeah, crossover. Uh, crossover. It's going to be crossover. Yeah, we're and be so crossfading on yeah, the exactly. charts there. And so, if uh, for for those of you who have not listened to Movie Date Night podcast, uh, uh, do you guys just Greg Greg Lauren? Do you guys want to kind of explain what your podcast is about real quick? Uh, yeah, our podcast is all about essentially showing your significant other the movies you love. So each episode, one of us picks a movie that the other hasn't seen, um, and we expose our partner to that movie, and then we talk about it. We're pretty much playing Minesweeper with our relationship. There's always that movie that, like, <laughs> if you don't like this movie, I'm done with you, and we just keep showing each other movies back and forth until we finally hit that exploding one. <laughs> oh, that's so good. I think we've all been there, too. We have all like been there. so great. Oh, like, man. I, it, when we do the what did you do this week, usually mine begins with me and Kat watched a movie she's never seen. She hated it. I'm breaking up with her. So <laughs> every week, that's how it happens. But yeah, their podcast is really great. Everyone listening should go listen to yeah. it and listen to us on it eventually. Uh, some of their better episodes because some of them suck really bad. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I really love the Death Proof one because... You know, it's fucking death proof. Right? It's a great movie. Um, yeah, I just want to admit, I haven't listened to all your episodes because I don't want to listen to the ones that I've never seen the movie for. So you recently did The Women, uh, and yes. I thought it was the newer one, oh, and I no. saw the newer one, and I started listening, and as soon as you guys were like, it's a 1930s film, and I was like, oh, what's the fuck? Did we use that Atlantic <laughs> accent? It's a 1930s film, kids. Hey, everyone. Back to the 1930s. So I was like, got to back the fuck out of there. But uh, I'll say the true lie, Stephen. I'm actually sat through the Oh, remake. shit. You got shit. Yeah. Oh, my true God. True fucking lies. <laughs> right? True, that's she movie. she yeah. does not know Schwarzenegger films. In fact, I have a whole slew of them planned for her. <laughs> what? Oh, oh, my. Okay. So Schwarzenegger is really special because he's the only real A-list actor that I can think of who like 90% of his movies are sci-fi or fantasy movies. And that's fucking crazy to think about that. He got popular yeah. off of shit like robots from the future coming back naked and killing women or like roided out dudes killing snake clan leaders or fucking shit like that. He's amazing. Or like he's a roided out guy watching over kindergartners. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Yeah. His, 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 he's got a range on him. Dude. He's got range. <laughs> he's got range. Uh, he was also our governor. So we have some that's bad, fucking uh, crazy. Oh, those were dark, dark times dark in times. California history. <laughs> oh my god, we don't I talk about them. So, the dark times. So I'm I'm student teaching government, and uh, 
and we we watched like right before spring break because it's the day before spring break and like the kids have checked out three days ago we watched dave have you guys seen dave i love oh, dave yes. yeah okay Dave's so great. so there's there's a scene in dave where he's like he's me- meeting up with, uh, with arnold schwarzenegger and he's teaching the kids about healthy eating and i like i had forgotten that I, like like my mind like had forgotten briefly that he was a political figure Oh yeah, (laughs) we'd like to forget it too. We'll never forget. That's like a scar in our hearts. Reagan and Schwarzenegger, guys. We have a great track record. Don't forget, we also got Nixon. Got Nixon from here too. Oh man, I love Nixon. Don't get me started on Nixon. But Stephen, yeah, this week, what is the topic of historical discussion? Okay, so this week we um we are we are kind of doing a subject. That we had we have done in the past, but we're we're, we're throwing our own unique spin on it. You know. What okay. I'm um. So this week we are going to be talking about female murderers, female murderers, or female serial killers. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah, and and so I think I think one thing we really like to do on this show is to uh to talk about. I mean, obviously our whole thing is we talk about lesser known history. And uh, a lot of that lesser known history is just kind of female perspective history. And so we, we talk a lot about, I mean, we did the female badass episode. Um, we've talked about, and I'm sure we're going to do this in the future, kind of the f- most influential women in history episode. Um, but yeah, so female ser- serial killers. And that was actually suggested to us by you guys, uh, which was, I, I, I thought was, I thought was, would really, really work kind of for all, all our whole deal. Yeah, I hope you guys have all been nice to the women in your lives because I think uh, we're going to hear about hell hath no fury for sure. <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's terrifying. <laughs> and it's now super you know what it's like for me. Every single <laughs> yeah, I'm about to night. say it's super appropriate because Lauren is on trial for multiple homicides as we speak, so <laughs> she can talk from experience. Yeah, so. in, in about 20 minutes, she's going to have to hang up and call back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get swatted and. <laughs> Totally expecting like a little boy call you thing going like, back. this is a call from the state penitentiary exactly, service. Exactly. <laughs> it's going to be like the, the every intro to this, every serial episode. Will you accept a collect call from <laughs> Mr. Black? <laughs> oh, man. Um, Are you want to jump into it then? Yeah. Fuck what we yeah, did this week. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, kinda, we just kind of need to jump in because strap in, kids. This is going to be a long one. All right. Cool. Play the music. Let's play the music. Yes. All right, guys. So this story of a lady serial killer is really special to me because I have a personal connection with this lady serial killer. Is it your mom? Lady serial killer. I am Isaac from the Binding of Isaac. If you knew his mom, that would be like hilarious solid reference by the way (laughs) so uh, i want to tell you guys the story of lavinia fisher so lavinia she was born sometime in 1793 ce and of course we don't know exactly when because fuck record keeping and it's the 1700s (laughs) but we know exactly when she died february 18th 1820 And she was known as the first female serial killer in the United States. And she operated out of my hometown, Stephen's hometown, Charleston. Woo! (laughs) We're we're famous for things. For Charleston Shoes. For for For, Charleston Shoes. For for Charleston Shoes. For 
the Charleston River Dogs and the Charleston we're Dogs. For the Charleston. We're famous for oranges. <laughs> and, <the> Char- so. <laughs> and that. I guess we're from California, not Florida. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> Anyway, so Lavinia Fisher... Cool Cool joke, Dave. Cool joke. Fuck you, Steven. So Lavinia (laughs) Fisher, she lived with her husband, John Fisher, and they kind of killed as a team. They operated what is known as the Six Mile Wayfarer House. So it was a hotel located six miles north of Charleston on the King's Highway, known today as King Street, uh, where I have totally hung out before and committed murder as well (laughs) it is also known today that the six mile wayfarer house was a popular gang hideout and a major theory is that these two lavinia and john actually killed the original owners and just squatted there and said it was their inn because fuck the law nice it's the 1700s it's It's just as good as the record keeping (laughs) uh so one interesting thing to note is that the couple were actually very popular with the locals. And this popularity helped protect them early on when reports were made of guests disappearing. You know, it it couldn't possibly be those nice fishers. And it also helped that Lavinia was fucking a 10. She was gorgeous. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of modern sort of paintings of her like and she's like you know fucking really hot and stuff especially for back then when nobody brushed their teeth and toilet paper was leaves and she used her beauty to pretty much commit her murders and then weasel her way out of suspicion so the killings because this is quote unquote history in the sense that we don't have modern media to cover it uh, most of the versions of the stories of the killings vary. However, the most popular one is that Lavinia would invite travelers into the Six Mile Wayfarer house, of course, using her beauty and stuff. There she would invite them to dinner, and she would discover if they had any money by asking about their lives and just regular questions. And if they fit the I-want-to-be-murdered bill... She would give them poison tea and then send them to bed. And later in the night, her husband, John, would check to make sure they were dead. This is the most popular theory because it really puts Lavinia as the leader of the operation and the one who's doing the actual killing. Uh, So it kind of fits this sort of modern, you know, feminist serial killer identity that she has because that's empowering, I guess. I mean... (laughs) if you will. Uh, but there's also like almost no evidence that put this, that puts this theory over other main f- theories. It just really fits this kind of identity that they were going for. But another theory, which is my favorite theory and is way more metal is that the tea she used was just used to put the visitors to sleep. She just, you know, poured like a bucket of NyQuil in the tea. <laughs> And then when they were in bed, Lavinia would pull a lever and the bed would drop the victim into a pit a la Sweeney Todd. Nice. (laughs) And different versions of the story say that the pit possibly had spikes at the bottom. So it became more like a Mortal Kombat stage. I was just going to say. (laughs) (laughs) So specific incidents are really hard to speak on because they went undiscovered for so long. Um 
there were several recorded uh, disappearances in the area. However, there are two very specific attempts at murders that led to Lavinia Fisher's downfall. So a vigilante gang from Charleston went to investigate the disappearances and try to stop the criminals that hung out around the Wayfarer house. Like I said earlier, the Wayfarer house was, you know, a place where all the gang members would chill. And uh, once they thought this vigilante group had done a good job, they decided to leave a guy behind named David Ross. David Ross was supposed to watch the area overnight. And while Ross was, you know, just chilling, posting up on a palm tree or something, smoking a cigarette, he was attacked and then dragged to the Wayfair house and brought before the gang, who was like, nope, you missed us. You suck. And while he was there and being beaten alive, he saw beaten alive? Is that <laughs> As opposed to beaten dead? <laughs> <laughs> he was beaten back to health. <laughs> Apparently, while he was there, he saw Lavinia in the crowd and begged for her help. And, uh, you know, you gotta remember that they were really popular and well-liked, and he at this moment was probably in shock and didn't know why she was there. But Lavinia was actually known to be kind of ruthless in this gang and during her murders. So she walked over to him, picked him up and smashed his head through a window and choked him out until he passed out. (laughs) Fucking badass. So this dude is just laying there on the ground and somehow in the night he escaped and ran the six miles back to Charleston before they could catch him. And he went back and he told the story and nobody believed him, which is hilarious to me. But then another incident uh, involved this guy named John Peoples. So John Peoples was a traveler who had heard Ross's story and decided to investigate himself. He decided to do what the police couldn't because... You know, back then, the population was a lot smaller. Everybody knew everybody. You couldn't fool anyone. But John Peoples was an outsider, so he could pretend to be, you know, just a regular traveler on the road. So he went to the Six Mile Wayfarer house and asked Lavinia if there were any vacant rooms. She said no, but invited him in for tea. Gotcha, bitch. Just what he wanted. (laughs) So while he was brought in for tea, in a sort of moment of 90s sitcom hilarity, Peoples dumped his tea into a plant and pretended to drink it all did the, while did the plant Slovenia wilt? wasn't looking. <laughs> the, the, plant, the, plant, the plant instantly wilts to the ground. It just drops dead. <laughs> so after a long conversation with Peoples that... Or with Lavinia, that Peoples described more as an interrogation that lasted hours, Lavinia claimed that there was a room... And he should stay the night. So he did and was like, right into my fucking trap, bitch. And then he stayed the night in the end. But he felt suspicious about the bed. Something was weird about it. So he slept in a chair next to the bed. And apparently in the middle of the night, he awoke to a loud crash as the bed emptied into the pit. (laughs) He jumped out a window. I love that in the past they all just fucking jump out windows. Door or window. Yeah, everyone has a cool house with a Scooby Doo passage or yeah. Sweetie Todd bed. <laughs> and they or, just, you know, they were able to build that. You know, who built this? Yeah, how's your contractor going to be like? Oh, you want your bed to do what? That's cool with me. 
Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> I don't know what kind of kinky out. shit you two are into. <laughs> <laughs> you got a spike pit down there waiting and everything. I mean, so who's, John, her, who's her spike guy? That's what I want to know. Like, who do you, yeah, you, you got down? a spike guy? Spike just spikes. Like, listen, these are good enough to impel babies, but not really pe- like full-grown people. Uh, let me get the upgraded version then. I'll go for the deluxe model. <laughs> I know where to get crack cocaine. But I don't know where to get spikes. Right? I don't have a spike guy. <laughs> so apparently John Peoples just jumps out the fucking window and runs back to town. Six miles, by the way. Like, I like that they run six miles back to town. Like, oh, it's not a big deal. They just run six miles back well, to town. Well, you see, Dave, they didn't have Xboxes back then. So kids love to run. <laughs> oh, yeah. A lot more cars. They didn't have they just, anything. They just ran in the night. These kids. They didn't, they didn't have fun, so they just ran around. Damn kids <laughs> running around 3 o'clock in the morning, waking me up. <laughs> Doing laps. You kids get off of my six-mile lawn. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, he jumps out the window, runs to town, and tells the cops. And they're like, fucking let's move. And they get a group together really quick, and they run down to the inn, and they catch Lavinia and John. So the jig is up. Got those motherfuckers, and it's time for the trial and execution. So, a full year elapses between their arrest and the date of their execution. They were held in the Old City Jail. Stephen and I's stomping grounds, actually. Stephen, how many times have you been to the Old City Jail? Uh, A few times. I remember touring it with you. Yeah, you and I went there together. When you're in handcuffs, it's not a tour. (laughs) (laughs) We were cellmates. That's how we met. Stephen was if, my bitch. That explains <laughs> so much. God, Jesus. Oh, I just like visibly cringed. <laughs> uh, so they were held in the old city jail. And while there, they actually planned an escape. And it went really bad. So just as you would expect, they tied the linens together to make that <laughs> rope thing with the knots in it. But while they were climbing out, it fucking broke. So John escaped, but Lavinia was stuck in her cell. And I'm going to get more into it, but John really fucking loved Lavinia. She was beautiful. He didn't deserve her. And also he was kind of stupid. So he immediately sort of walks back to the front door to turn himself in because he doesn't want to be without his wife. Oh, my God. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Damn titties, though. Uh, (laughs) Damn titties. That's what he says to the fucking jailer. (laughs) Why'd you come back, John? Damn titties, though. Damn titties, though. (laughs) So they pleaded not guilty, but the jury pretty much said, fuck that. And they tried for a constitutional appeal, but the constitutional court rejected it. And just sort of said, nah, you should hang them. So they did. But John was an idiot. During the last days of his life, he became hella Christian. He got counsel from a local minister whose name was Reverend Richard Furman. Yes, Stephen. That Furman. Wait, really? Yeah, really. (laughs) And at the gallows, Reverend Furman Furman read aloud a letter John had written. Probably in crayon, probably on toilet paper. (laughs) And this letter stated that since he was now super Christian, he couldn't be executed with a lie on his conscience. He then insisted on his own innocence and said that the judicial process fucked him over. And he won a little bit of sway from the 2000 attendees watching, but then at the very end, he fucking ruined it by apologizing for the killings at the last minute. (laughs) So not very smart, not very planned out. 
Uh, Lavinia, on the other hand, once she was in jail, apparently became like Super Saiyan 3 malicious and angry. She was uncooperative uh, with the entire process and spat at the attendees who witnessed her hanging. They were both hanged at the site of public execution in Charleston, which is actually a modern-day Starbucks, the one near St. Philip's on uh, Calhoun, Stephen. They're wait, the one on the, the one. On, wait, oh God, really? That was the, the that was where they were hanged. That was the site of Jesus. public execution. Bro, you didn't notice uh, that, the, that the hostess giving you your coffee had no legs. <laughs> <laughs> she just had that weird like ghost sperm tail kind of thing. She was very. <laughs> oh, very I thought something completely different. I sort of imagined like uh, rolling up on like a cart from sort of like a medieval beggar. <laughs> She's got no legs, uh, and it was they were hanged on February eighteenth, eighteen twenty. It's interesting to note that she was also the first woman executed by hanging in the United States. This was technically illegal because in the United States it was illegal to hang a married woman in the United States at the time. Because, you know, you just give her back to her husband who'd take care of it for you. That was how it worked, right? But not a widow. It was legal to hang a widow. So they just hanged John first. Like, <laughs> literally nice. seconds before. <laughs> nice. That and as fantastic. soon as he died... As soon as he died, they said, all right, you can drop her. And uh, famously, her last words to the crowd were, if anyone has a message for the devil, give it to me, for I shall see him soon. And then she fucking went out in a crazy blaze of glory. That's pretty metal. Um, the, <laughs> That's like the story is so fucking yeah. metal. <laughs> the story of her, or her burial, her burial, what the fuck? Burial. The s- Dave, are you okay? <laughs> Dave, are you okay? I'm sorry. My southern got, it got yeah, out. No, I had to you, catch it. Your inner Ken Burns was coming out. The story of her burial. <laughs> so, the story of her burial. <laughs> fucking Jesus Christ. Dave, do you smell burnt toast right now? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so, the story of where she was buried. It's shrouded go. in mystery, and many actually argue on the place Lavinia was laid to rest. She's a popular ghost uh, that is brought about in Charleston folklore and our ghost tours that just sap the money from visitors and aren't based in any historical fact or anything, and you won't see a ghost, so don't go on them. I used to give them. They suck. But she apparently haunts the jail to this day wearing her wedding dress and luring oh, in story. unsuspecting men to drink some tea. Them ghost titties, Ooh, though. <laughs> those titties. <laughs> those titties, though. <laughs> so, you, the, the minute you see her, you all hear John whisper in your ear, them titties, though. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the story of Lavinia Fisher. She's the first female serial killer in the United States and the first woman to be executed by hanging. So... There you go, guys. Crazy. Steven, give me a good scrolls. Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, Dave, that was a good scrolls. Thanks a lot. I gotta admit, I'll yeah. give you a good scrolls. Yeah, that was a good scrolls. <laughs> that was good. good scrolls all around. Oh, so you wanted something crazy? My uh my aunt uh went on that jail tour when she was visiting. It was like it was I didn't go for some reason, but it was like a bunch of my family went. And she claims that she saw the white wedding dress. You're talking about Anne? No, 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 my other aunt. Okay, I don't know that. I don't know that person. Yeah, you, you haven't met her. But she, she claims she saw the white wedding dress. <sighs> when you reduce one of America's most historical cities to, like, 
spooky shit. Oh, man. Like, the actual history is way cooler than the idea that there's a wedding dress floating around in a jail. So, that's how I feel about that. Anyway. Okay. Anyway, I think it's time we move on to story number two. Lauren, would you like to do the ceremonial do-do's? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll let Greg do my do-do's. I'll do the do-do's. <laughs> Let's do play, it. Play, play the that theme. music, Steven. Play the music. Perfect. Okay, guys. So my murderer that I picked is Bell Gunnis, also known as Hell's Bells. Hell's Bells. Uh, Do you need is that where we get the expression from, Lauren? By the way, Uh, I don't know. I didn't hear. I don't know about that. Okay, but maybe. Um, So she murdered at least forty people. Um, Though the actual number is not known, and you will probably never know how many people she actually killed. Um, And you guys will find out why very soon. So Belle oh God, Gunnis. That sounded really sinister when you laughed at me. <laughs> You'll never know because I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> She's coming for you. Oh, God. So Belle Gunnis was born uh, around 1859 in Norway. She was the daughter of farmers, and not a lot is known about her childhood. Um, there's a story that Belle got pregnant at a young age, um, and while attending a dance, she was attacked by a man who kicked her in the stomach, causing her to miscarry. But because Fuck. this man was wealthy and from a good family, he was never prosecuted. Can I ask you, who starts a fight with a kick to the stomach? She fighting fucking <laughs> Liu Kang, just like I was came out of Chun left Lee, screen. But yeah, yeah, Liu Kang, yeah. Norwegian like st- <laughs> This is like the next John Claude Van Damme movie. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the bad street fighter. Oh my god. Oh Jesus. So some people point to this incident as being like the cause for her later behavior. Um, but the story has never been verified as being true. And I don't know if I really believe the story. It seems a little too convenient. Um, I think perhaps it's a fabrication to try to understand why she did the things she did. Um, and I think when we're talking female murders, uh, we usually need that justification because it's so uncharacteristic of women to be murderers. Yeah, women shouldn't kill anybody. They should just yeah, be exactly. sweet and angels. <laughs> they like, just soft, they need staying an, in the kitchen, making me a sandwich. You yeah. know, They need a random guy to kick them in the uterus to make them go killing people. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps them in their place. And- oh, watch it, buddy. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> So in her early 20s, uh, she emigrated to the U- U.S., um, and in 1884, she married a man named Mads Sorensen. Yes, his first name was Mads. Dude, fuck yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they lived together in Chicago, and they owned a candy store. Oh, how sweet. <laughs> Dude, the perfect cover-up for a serial killer. <laughs> but the candy store uh, didn't do too well um, financially, so surprisingly, or, or unsurprisingly, it burned down after only a year. Um, and the family got a really large insurance payoff, which allowed them to move outside of the city. But the right funny on. thing is, this house that they buy, it also burns down a couple years later, and they get another big insurance payoff. Oh, what a rotten bit of luck. <laughs> yeah. How unfortunate. Yeah, and I mean, you know, maybe these were, you know, just normal fires. I mean, we're probably not talking the same fire safety codes back then. 
and they didn't have electric lights. And she had a really bad habit of keeping all her dry kindling next to the fireplace that was active. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it it could be that they were normal fires, but as you're going to see, Belle really understood the insurance game pretty well. So there's a good chance that these were um, fires she set. So Mads and Belle are recorded as having four children, uh, two of whom died of, um, I believe it's colitis. Mr. Science next to me, is that true? Oh, sorry. Colitis? Colitis, yeah. Okay. Um, Didn't realize you were looking for pronunciation. (laughs) And the symptoms of colitis are very similar to poisoning, so it's unknown if their deaths were foul play or not. Um, But interesting, both these children had insurance policies, um, which were paid out upon their death, and it's pretty rare to have an insurance policy on your kids, especially back then. Yeah. Yeah. It's starting to seem just a little suspicious to me i don't know about you guys i don't know let's see where this goes i'm still really you don't think the candy store that should have no fire in it whatsoever burning down is not suspicious um what's up with serial killers and knowing how the insurance system works so well (laughs) they're all (laughs) them in the dmv starting to make some real assumptions Uh, The couple also had an adopted daughter named Jenny, who's going to be more important later in the story as well. So um, in 1900, after years of marriage, her husband Mads dies. And it just so happens that he dies on the last day of an old insurance policy and the first day of a new insurance policy. Oh my fucking God, yes. (laughs) So he dies the exact day that these policies overlap. And despite this, his death is um, suspicious. Um, The first doctor that comes into the scene he claims it's murder believing that he's been poisoned with strychnine um however mads was known to have a heart condition so the family but doctor protested this and said no he was on medication for an enlarged heart and he claimed it was just heart failure and bell claimed that she did give her husband some medical cures for his ailments um so at best if they tried to claim it was murder it would have been accidental Um, but the authorities declined to investigate and no autopsy was ever done Really? Nobody's <laughs> looking at this chick? Not yet. <laughs> Dave, remember, she's just a woman. She doesn't know what's yeah. going on. Exactly. She's just, Nobody you know, a victim of circumstance. She's just like the unluckiest person you ever met in your life. <laughs> she doesn't know how to work a candle. <laughs> work a she doesn't candle? Know <laughs> doesn't know there's not supposed to be fire in a candy store. <laughs> she yeah. thought red hots were supposed to be heated. Yeah. <laughs> so she gets a significant payout from his death because of these two insurance policies um she got eight thousand five hundred dollars which would be the equivalent to about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars today um so that's that's a lot of money even by today's standards um and she used this money to buy a farm in indiana oh shit so during her that's where i am (laughs) Uh i'm surprised you haven't heard of her then So during her move to Indiana, Belle meets Peter Gunnis, who's a butcher and a recent widower. And in 1901, a year after her previous husband's death, they get married. So this is where her story really takes off, Lou. Buckle in, guys. (laughs) Oh, shit. One week after they're married, Peter's toddler, who's from his previous marriage, is found dead after being alone with Belle. And they get another insurance payoff for that. Okay, wait, I have to ask. Did, do you have the method of death for that child? Uh, I, they, yeah, it's not unknown. All that's known is that it was alone with her. Okay, so it's not like this nice. kid just spontaneously human nice. combusted. Or uh, yeah, God yeah. knows. 
The kid was not on fire, and then all of a sudden it was. You guys, I don't know how candles work. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) This is like the eighth time. What are you doing? I just don't know. No one told me. me. (laughs) So after only a year of marriage to Peter Lowe, um, he's also met with a tragic accident. Supposedly, a meat grinder falls from a high shelf in his shed and lands on his head. Very and then Looney turns tunes. on. <laughs> <laughs> so this was thought as being somewhat suspicious, and inquiries are made. Um, but Bell is able to play the part of a grieving widow and denies all allegations. And eventually, the investigation is dropped, and Bell walks away with another substantial insurance payoff. Fucking Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> so now Bell's husbandless, but she has a lot of money and a really big farm at her disposal. So what does she do? She takes out an ad in the newspaper. And her personal ad states, and I quote, Comely widow who owns a large farm in one of the finest districts in LaPointe County, Indiana, desires to make the acquaintance of a gentleman equally well provided with view of joining fortunes. No replies by letter considered unless sender is willing to follow up answer with personal visit. Triflers need not apply. Nice. This sounds like a fucking Craigslist ad. <laughs> like, send a picture for a picture Seriously, for this comely like maiden. She was the original Craigslist killer. Must be must be willing to take insurance policy out on yourself in any <laughs> <Really>? job. <laughs> must not also know how to work a candle. <laughs> so surprisingly, this ad worked, and many men visited Bell over the next several years. Um, many of them signed over their life fortunes and were never heard from again. It- <laughs> They have letters between her and some of these men where she is is essentially charming them and promising herself to them if they will just pack up their belongings and come to her. In one such letter, she actually writes, the suitor should come prepared to stay forever. Damn. Nice. (laughs) And she suddenly becomes heir to men's horses and buggies, deeds to property, and their personal effects. Um, There's countless claims of men who told their families they were off to marry a wealthy widow from Laporte and are never heard from again. Uh, many of whom are last sighted withdrawing money from their banks. And neighbors claim to have passed the Gunnis farm and saw Belle out digging in her hog pens late at night. <laughs> I really want this to be that she's 100% innocent and it is just a series yeah, of yeah. events. Yeah. And she really legit was just like, well, I'm awake and it's the middle of the night. I guess I'll go yeah. clean up the hog yeah, pen. Yeah, really, it's just like it they just... all go running as soon as they see her and... It's a series of candle accidents. <laughs> Guys, I'm sorry, but I need to read at night before to go to bed. <laughs> so this takes place for six years. This is happening. But it all comes to a head in 1908. Um, Bell had a hired hand named Ray. And he's believed to have been madly in love with Bell and would do anything for her. But Ray is poor. And we all know Bell didn't go for poor men. And he was also supposedly jealous of all these male suitors he keeps showing up. And it's believed that Ray may have helped Belle bury the bodies and he knew her secret. So when he makes an advance towards her, um, she fires him. But she goes and tells the local police that Ray had made threats against her and her remaining two children. And the very next day, Belle's house burns to the ground, killing her and her two remaining children, whose bodies are all found in the burnt remains. Ugh. So Ray is immediately arrested, of course. However, they start to search the property. <laughs> because people keep coming forward saying they're missing loved ones who were, were last seen at the Gunnis farm. And as they search, suddenly more bodies start to show up. 
God. They find the body of Jenny, Belle's adopted daughter, who was supposedly in school in California, um, <laughs> along with the many b- men who were believed to be missing. At Jesus. least 25 more bodies were found dismembered and buried around the farm. Fuck. There's also the possibility that Belle killed other children besides her own. Um, as in later years, when they've kind of re-examined these bodies, there were several bones from children that were found intermixed with the others that they previously didn't see. Oh, Ooh, fuck. Jesus. <laughs> so Ray is convicted of arson, but he's not convicted of the murder, and he dies in prison. And he claims that Belle killed over 40 men. Jesus. But all of that aside... Here's the thing that makes this case so interesting. Oh, shit. <laughs> the body it gets found, more interesting? It does. The body found in the burnt remains of the house that were believed to be Bell's was that of a headless woman. The pro- oh, no. <laughs> the problem was this woman without a head was only about 5'3 and very slight in frame. And Bell Gunness was known as being almost six foot tall and around 200 pounds. So even burnt, that bulk wouldn't totally be lost. Um, So she was this big, strong woman, and they did find some gold dental work found to believe that were believed to have been hers. um, But most conclude that the body found was not Belle's. And it may be fucking Francis Dollarhide. Yeah. (laughs) And it might be no surprise that um, Belle withdrew all of her money from the bank shortly before this occurred. Were law enforcement back then just, like, mouth-breathing retarded or something? (laughs) (laughs) It's just a bunch of Chief Wiggums. So it's believed that Belle faked her own death, uh, killing her children, and was never caught. There are many claims of sightings uh, years later and stories about Belle. Um, In the 1930s, a woman named Esther Carlson was arrested for poisoning a man for money. Um, and not only was she the same age Belle would have been, but she's also said to have bared um, a remarkable likeness to Belle. Um, but she died while awaiting trial, and her identification was never proven. So Belle's fate has just become this story of legend and conspiracy of, like, this female bluebeard. How does oh, a six-foot Norwegian serial killer millionaire just disappear? <laughs> I think you just answered your own question. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> millionaire. With a millionaire. Yeah. But that's, that's the story of Belle Gunness. Wow. Fucking that's insane. Good scrolls, Lauren. Good scrolls. Good fucking scrolls. Thank you. Jeez. I mean, could you imagine being like one of those guys, like going over to Belle Gunness's house, like, gonna get laid, gonna get laid, gonna get <laughs> laid. What are you doing with that butcher's knife? Oh, I'm dead. <laughs> gonna get laid to rest, Stephen. Oh, <laughs> oh. Yeah. Wait, what do you do with that candle? You can, That's not you how you hold that, that candle, out. right? <laughs> <laughs> you could edit that joke out, by the way. No, leave that in. That yeah. was great. That was gold. Okay, so who's up next? We got Steven. Uh, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and go. Yeah, that's what we're, we're trading off, fool. <laughs> okay. So God, Steven, get music. with the program. <laughs> Steven, are you okay? Yep. I had I had I had a bit of an aneurysm there. You have to excuse do, me. Do you smell burnt um, toast? <laughs> Always. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a bad thing? <laughs> All right, guys. So, as you all probably know, 
I really like Middle Ages. I really like medieval. <laughs> no, I made a, really? I made a bet with Lauren, and I'm going to collect now. Thanks. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, they are so, fans of the show. Yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, it was a sex bet, too. Oh. oh. You'll have uh, to, you'll I don't have know how to, comfortable I feel. You'll have to fill <laughs> us in on, on uh, the antes. Because... Uh, What's this just got real awkward, Dave. Steven, it's lot, this Dave. is the podcast foursome I've been waiting for. <laughs> Get on with your story. All right. So the um, the serial killer, and she is a ser- serial killer, that I am going to be talking about is probably the, the most notorious female serial killer of the late Middle, middle Ages. Probably the Middle Ages as a whole. Um, she lives just after the Middle Ages, but it's in that rough period where it's like, is it the Middle Ages? Is it not the Middle Middle Ages? It could be. And she's from um, a part of the world that's like totally behind too. Yeah, so. totally. Th- th- this part of the world was definitely still in the it's Middle still Ages. Still the Middle Ages <laughs> there now. Well, you know, because yeah. fuck record keeping back then. So <laughs> exactly. Oh my god, <laughs> he gets it. He gets all the jokes. <laughs> uh, so I felt like that's a Mikey likes be... it kind of joke. Like he likes it. Mikey likes it. <laughs> he likes it. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to be talking about Elizabeth Bathory. Have you guys heard of Elizabeth Bathory? Yeah. No. Yes, even I have. You want to know why I have? Tell tell them why, Dave. Because I fucking researched her for this episode and then handed it over to you because you're a whiny bitch. (laughs) No, literally. Okay, so I started researching her like earlier today. And I was like, oh, I should probably text Dave and let let him know who I'm doing. And I was like, nah, we'll be good. And he texts me like three o'clock and it's like just just elizabeth bathory and i was like god damn it i knew it i knew it i knew it um but yeah i wind my way into getting it so elizabeth bathory is like i said probably the most notorious female killer of the middle ages um she operates right at the turn between the 1500s and the 1600s um she uh she has a death count of and hold on to your seats here Potentially 650 Whoa. victims. <laughs> I just yeah. want to let you know, I literally just held onto my seat and it was totally useful. <laughs> okay, cool. Good. I'm glad. Um, <laughs> they were all to- tortured and killed in her own private fortress. And yes, she had a fortress. Um, fortress. So Bathory was, she had a freaking fortress, man. Bathory was born to a noble family in um, Hungary and she actually has ties to the throne in Transylvania. Her uncle was the, the king yes. in Transylvania. And this is going to be important later on, um, kind of when I talk about the aftermath of this. Um, but at the ripe old age of 10, she was engaged to be married. Um, that's kind of, that's kind of a, old, isn't it? They waited for her then. She was on the shelf for a couple <laughs> years did, there. Jeez. did. Uh, you know, you're getting uh, pretty old there, Bathory. <laughs> it's, it's time to get it married. Is, the biological clock is ticking. old. <laughs> 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 Um, but she gets, gets engaged to the marriage to the guy with the most complicated name I've ever seen. Uh, we're going to try this one out. Here's Steven's, uh, classic attempt at pronunciation. Let's, let's hear this one. Fernek. <laughs> Did you just clear your throat or was that his name? No, no, no. This is his name. Nadat, Nadatisi. Bless you. Oh my God. I have to <laughs> no, save you dad. and look this one up. Nadatisi. It's F-E-R-E-N-C. So Fernek, right? I'm, you're not going to spell it out for me because I don't know. <laughs> N-A-D-A-S-D-Y. Sure. His name Nadasty. is... 
Nasty. It's like nasty. <laughs> Just call him Mr. Nasty. <laughs> Just call nasty. him Count Nasty. Shanasty. Uh, I'm not going to say his name at all for the rest of this episode. Oh, then um, what the fuck? <laughs> but, uh, Just that dude. The, but, but so, so the reason that she didn't change her last name to Lanasty is because her <laughs> social status was technically higher than her husband's. So she, she keeps her last name. Okay. It's progressive um, But, yeah, exactly. Uh, and, is it she, though? But, it's kind of classist as fuck. <laughs> But uh, but he is very (laughs) yeah count the nasty one nasty uh, (laughs) two nasty there's like an X rated Sesame Street (laughs) (laughs) nasty one two titties ha ha all right so uh, (laughs) God Um, but he is he is very wealthy Uh, and after the wedding she ends up getting married about five years later when she's fifteen. She moves into uh, a castle in modern-day Slovakia, and the castle was a gift from her husband, uh, a, a, a wedding gift from her husband. Oh, and sweet. it was the centerpiece of a town with several other towns surrounding it. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a few miles outside of a town, and then there are other several towns even farther out from it. But it's kind of like the centerpiece. Uh, and she more or less kind of holds down the fort for, for really long periods of time when her husband is away fighting the Turks because the, um, the Turks were kind of consistently invading this area of Europe into the, the, this area of Eastern Turks Europe. Were jerks. The, the, tur- Turks the Turks were jerks. The Turks were jerks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> On a t-shirt. So, so, so let me kind of explain what happened here. Uh, so in 1604, rumors kind of begin to spread, uh, throughout kind of the town and the surrounding town that Bathory was killing and torturing girls. Uh, but because she had such a high status, I mean, she owns a fucking castle. Nothing was really done of it until 1610. And the King of Hungary finally assigns his right-hand man to investigate uh, uh, Bathory and kind of figure out what's going on here because there's so many kind of birds chirping about her. Um, and really, he, he, he really has no problem finding more than enough evidence on her. In fact, he collects testimony from over 300 people. And at the actual trial, he had 13 witnesses. Whoa, but I kind of want to back up the story a little bit. So that's kind of where we're going to end up. But the story of Bathory really kind of begins when she's just a child. Uh, and here we have kind of this age-old question of nature versus nurture. So kind of the question is, was she really always this fucked up? Uh, and yeah, probably she was. I mean, <laughs> if I, like, like, yeah, just no. Yeah, yeah. we're good for that. <laughs> so. Uh, so, yeah, she probably was kind of born a little bit fucked up. Uh, but there was some evidence that she was taught from at a very young age about witchcraft and blood sacrifices. And not just like taught about it, like, oh, yeah, there's also these crazy things that happened in other parts, you know, in parts of Europe where the witches and, you know, trying to summon demons and devils to have sex with them. And but she she was, you know, evident kind of evidence kind of points to that she was actually taught how to do these well, things. Well, most girls are. So. And, yeah, exactly. It's, it's a it's, it's, a, it's a here's part of how you put on up. a bra. Yeah, they, they take here's how you summon school. the devil. Yeah. yeah and here's exactly. how you fix this, a stitch, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, but in, in fact we know that she believed that the blood of young girls would keep her young 
And this is kind of one of a few things that played into the motivation of her wanting to kill. I think this is probably the excuse she went with. But in reality, she probably just really liked killing people. Uh, So after she got married to her husband and moved to the castle, she really kind of had free reign to do whatever the hell she wanted to. I mean, like I said, she owns a fucking castle. And it it is believed that her husband really kind of found out really quickly about these tendencies that she had, but really kind of helped to restrain them and keep her at bay and kept her from just kind of going ape shit. And this kind of makes me think a lot of Ivan the Fourth and his wife. Are you guys kind of familiar with that whole story? I am a bit, yeah. No, I'm not. Yeah, and so Ivan the Fourth was he. I mean, he had a lot of problems even while he was married. Uh Yeah, yeah, it's understandable. This is also Ivan the Terrible, in case you Uh, didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Which, which, which more better kind of translates to Ivan the Great, but that's a whole other story. Anyway, uh, but he he was kind of really kept at bay. He didn't go full psycho until after his wife passed away, and so while. Her husband kind of works to keep her to, to, to kind of keep her at bay. Um, but she still did kill. And uh, she mostly targeted daughters of peasants. I mean, they were easy pickings. They were easy targets. And, you know, they really wouldn't be missed, at least in her, her mind. And she would take them down to a cellar in her manor house that had been converted to a torture chamber. And there she would. Um, and just a heads up, this is going to get a little graphic. She would beat them mutilate them which included cutting off their their hands strip them naked and make them stand outside in the cold until they died from hypothermia stick needles under their fingernails and probably most fucked up she would take bites out of them (laughs) fuck yeah transylvania it feels like a straight up just thing of like take bets how what she gonna die from first you know (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) right sexual in nature too yeah especially the biting it it is It, it is it's um and this kind of, I think, plays a lot into, really supports the idea that she had this kind of witchcraft training from a younger age, and this demonic sort of tendencies with the things that she was doing. Um, but, you know, like we said previously, this is the 1600s, and fuck record keeping. But, uh, but in 1604, her husband dies, and this is kind of when the killing ramps up in a major way. And... Uh, <laughs> So, more or less, she runs out of peasants to kill. <laughs> and, uh, oh, no, that's definitely not dry. Russian royalty. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, it's just she starts kidnapping uh, daughters and young girls from noble families. Uh, and this is when she really kind of screws up. Yeah. And this is what really kind of gets her on the radar of the King of Hungary. And this is where we see him sending his right-hand man. And she eventually gets put on trial and she is found gets guilty pretty handedly and so she has three other accomplices during this um two of them are uh one of them has her oh god this is so fucked up one of them has her the, her fingers torn off with hot pincers and then she's burned at the stake the other one is um beheaded and her body is burned, and the final the final one is just spends the rest of his life in prison. But she, and it's good to know that the um, the governmental system back then is very similar to the governmental system now. Uh, it was her her family pleaded with the court and said it would be a travesty and a bad stain on the family name if she was executed publicly. Publicly, 
So what they decided to do instead was to just lock her in her room for the rest of her life. Sounds like a spoiled little brat. Like, so just go to your room. Yeah, yeah, she was it, yeah. <laughs> yeah but this was uh, this was not a happy room to be in. Uh, her windows were sealed. <laughs> the walls were not pink. <laughs> yeah, it was not a happy. The walls room. were not pink. <laughs> what her is wall- a happy room to be in, Stephen? Let me let lots me explain. You'll get plans. a better idea. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is not a happy room to no. be in for me. Uh, but so her windows are all sealed up with bricks and the only access she has to the outside world was through a small slit where she would receive, receive food and water. Where'd she poop? And through the small slit. (laughs) (laughs) But I assume there was some sort of makeshift toilet in there. Um, but she lived in this room for four years and eventually she just kind of dies probably from malnutrition. Um, but that's kind of the end. She was of, of her. sad roomed to death. She was sad roomed, <laughs> and the the castle actually kind of went through. Uh, kind of just went neglected and is very very run down, and for a while was kind of loosely closed off to the public. And uh, it's actually funny. I was reading this article about the castle, and uh, they recently, I think, in two thousand. Like the the mid two thousands, they renovated it. They did a two year renovation of it and opened it up as a museum. And a lot of the um, a lot of the older folks in the town were really upset by this by them almost kind of not celebrating, but kind of really focusing on her on Bathory as this this you know this tourist image right this this place the tourists wanted to go and they were really upset by this because they saw her as a stain to their whole entire town. And the, it was it was funny. They also interviewed young young people, teenagers in the town, and they were like, "I mean, we're cool that we would go up to the castle and we'd have barbecues and camp out in there." Yeah, it's, it's and totally so metal it, to go and have a barbecue up in the bloodhouse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are um, you guys going up to the bloodhouse this weekend? <laughs> yeah, we're going out there too. You going? Uh, but it, it, it's so so it's still it's it's open to tours, and uh, you can actually still go into the room. That she was kept in. It's uh, it's it's the ceiling is collapsed from it, but you can still see where they bricked up the windows. Jesus, that's so actually kind of cool. Very, I like that. Yeah, very kind of morbid and like very interesting. But um, but going back to what I said about her being heir to, or her having ties to the throne of Transylvania, she is widely considered to be one of the earliest female vampires. Um, oh at least in kind of that that God. sort of. At least in that some sort of folklore, oh because my yeah, because she would you know obviously taking bites out of people, kind of you know pe- people assume what they want to assume, um, but there's also these some some historians have made arguments that she actually didn't kill anybody and that this was a huge political move by a rival family and she was all framed for it, but it's very far fetched. Most people don't believe that. Um, but yeah, that's my story of Elizabeth Bathory. That was some uh, great good, good scrolls. scrolls. Good scrolls. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Well, wait, why much. do they think Thank that you. was a frame job? Did they think someone came in and like paid off all the young peasant girls to just move <laughs> to over die. to the next town? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, so this is the like I said, like we said, fuck record yeah. keeping, and the 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 number of girls that. She's actually, that are actually reported killed by her varies significantly. What are we talking about significantly? Um, 
like we're saying there's some people claim she only killed about 10 others claim she killed 50 to 60 and then there's people who claim she killed 650 um but 650 is kind of a common number that i found um that's really yeah, different it's the so best number <laughs> that's really yeah, different from is. 10 <laughs> but that's the thing is because record keeping was so fucked we don't really we don't i mean like there is that level of doubt i mean right? i know there the s's kind of used to look like f's but did the 650s used to look like 10s back then like what the <laughs> yeah fuck? right like it's 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 just it's you know it's in in history and like you i mean you you guys all know this in history it's really easy to to kind of come up with this thesis that's a counter thesis to everything that every other historian has said about and at least find some evidence to support it hitler did nothing but wrong that, well, and, and that, but that doesn't mean that it, it's necessarily true. It just, it, I mean, historical primary sources can be kind of bent to to what you what you want them to mean. Greg, do you know um, about the uh, Hitler being the hero of World War Two one? <laughs> I don't think I've quite caught that one. No, but have you heard about how Nero was totally like logical and like crafty with his decision to make his horse his proconsul? Yeah, some like asshole told me that story, <laughs> but the theory behind Hitler being the God hero right. of World War II is that the only person who killed, like, who could kill Hitler and stop it was Hitler, <laughs> and he did. So the guy who killed Hitler can't be that bad. <laughs> and that guy was Hitler. Revi- revisionist history. Ooh, I'm really thinking about that one. That's a good one. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> you really got me thinking about that one. I'm going to have to go write a story. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right. Go to the uh, Wikipedia, change the page, and just fucking change shit. Like Hitler was the hero of World War II. Oh Jesus! All right, but that's my story. Um, we are actually making really good time, so let's move on to the final story. Fucking Greg, right. play us off. Finish us. Send us home. And Stephen, play the music. I thought we were at home. All right. So the woman I have now. I will say this beforehand. I remember an episode you guys did previously. You put the cutoff mark at 1940. I'm right up to that line because I like to push the boundaries. I found the closest one to present day I could without going over your guys' yes. established line. Because, you know, I, I know fuck record keeping and I want to get good records in this one. <laughs> oh, so, shit. He did actual research. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've had this ready for like a week. And you guys are talking about you did this like three hours ago. <laughs> Yeah, that's because yeah, this motherfucker wanted to do the one I'd already done. <laughs> so the woman, listen, Dave. the woman I have is named Leonardo Cianciulli, and she's an Italian serial killer better known as the soap maker of Correggio. Nice. Now, a little bit of backstory to her. Leonardo's mother hated her. Every time she looked at her daughter, she just reminded of this nightmare that she was living because Leonardo was actually the product of a rape. And Ooh. back in the day, because the mother was obviously pregnant, no other man would have anything to do with her in terms of marriage. So she was forced to marry the guy who raped her. Well, oh. there's some lawmakers who would see that happen again. But. Yeah. <laughs> so her mother is living this absolute nightmare. So any chance that she gets, she takes out her like angst and frustration on her daughter. And this actually leads Leonardo to attempt suicide twice before the age of 14. Uh, you really then, picked a, a happy story there. Guys. Oh, I sure did. I, I'm all about sunshine and rainbows up here, guys. <laughs> happy rooms, happy rooms. Happy rooms. Happy room. 
So uh, later, when she, uh, as soon as she can, as soon as she's of legal age to marry in Italy, she runs off with this registry office clerk. And this is kind of despite the fact that her mother and father had already kind of arranged a marriage for her. I kind of think it was a big, like, middle finger to her mom for all the, you know, beatings she probably got as a kid. But they run yeah, off, yeah. and um, they have kind of a bad time. Leonardo, she actually commits fraud and has a minor run-in with the law. She goes to jail for, like, a year. You know, and then as soon as she gets out, they move houses to get away from the stain of, oh, you're a criminal. And about two years after they move, their house is completely destroyed in this giant earthquake. Oh, not a fire? Dang. Not a fire. She knew how to work a candle. <laughs> <laughs> then they finally moved to, to uh, the town of Correjo, where she opens up a small shop and became a really nice, pleasant woman, a doting mother, and a really good neighbor. She's pretty much like Mrs. Cleaver to everybody, you know, like super popular, super nice. Uh, going back a little bit, when she was a young woman, Leonardo actually visited a fortune teller that told her that she would marry and have children, but that she would be surrounded by death and all her children would die. And oh, fuck. <laughs> super great fortune teller, right? Like, yeah. let me tip her. Um, and Chan Shirley was a really superstitious woman, so she believed this. And especially throughout her life, she was she got pregnant 17 times. Three of them were miscarriages. Oh. Ten of the children died of some young childhood illness, and only four actually lived past the age of eight. Damn. Ooh, yikes. And so her eldest son, that was actually alive, named Giuseppe, come around 1939, the Italian uh, government's gearing up and getting ready to join World War II, and so Giuseppe gets drafted. Of course, his name is Giuseppe. Giuseppe. Hey, Giuseppe. <laughs> Giuseppe. Hey, it's Giuseppe. It either was that or Mario. So. <laughs> <laughs> we just lost every single one of our Italian <laughs> See ya. That one guy, maybe. <laughs> now, in psychology, uh, there's this thing called the Kubler-Ross model and dealing with grief of losing a loved one in death. And the five stages are denier, denial, Anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And usually people go through all these five stages in order. Some people skip through stages quickly. Other ones get stuck up on this one. Chanchuli is an example of getting really stuck up on the bargaining stage. Since she was so superstitious and she actually was a bit of a fortune teller herself, she read the cards and determined that the afterlife was telling her if you can replace Giuseppe's body or soul with another person's in the afterlife... The, the spirits will be pleased and Giuseppe won't die. Jesus. <laughs> it's fucking spooky. <laughs> so, uh, Chantrilli, like I said, she was kind of a fortune teller, so she had regular customers coming to her. So her first uh, victim was named Faustina Setti, and she was this lifelong spinster, never had a boyfriend, never got married. And Chantrilli said, hey, I read the cards, I found you a husband. He's in this neighboring town of Pola, and here's what you have to do to meet him. First, you have to write tons of letters to all your friends and family saying that everything's great and you're super happy. But don't send them yet. You bring them to me. Then, <laughs> then, on the day you're about to go, come visit me one more time so I can give you a blessing. So sure enough... I'm a whack to the head. <laughs> just wait. So sure enough, uh, Faustina comes back and... She, uh, they have a little cheer celebration with some wine, but it turns out the wine was drugged. And uh, Faustina gets knocked out almost immediately. So then Chantilly just goes up to her cupboard, fetches the axe, 
cuts Faustina into nine separate little pieces and breaks her body down and turns her into soap. She actually cooks her up and drains the blood out, and she actually uses the blood, dries it up, and puts it into some batter to make some tea cakes. Oh. Good, good, good. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so she actually goes, and then afterwards, uh, she starts sending out the letters in the mail to uh, all the relatives, so there's no suspicion whatsoever. They all think that Faustina went off and got happily ever after with some guy in some town that's a good couple hours away. Um, And also, as a bonus from this, she also got uh, her life savings of 30,000 lira, which, you know, I wasn't able to find an exact translation how much money that is, but considering 30,000 lira on top of, hey, I got an afterlife, you know, murder for my son. Not a bad deal. (laughs) And some good tea cakes. And some good tea cakes. In fact, actually, there's a quote here from her saying, I threw the pieces into the pot, added seven kilos of caustic soda, which I used to make soap, and stirred the whole mixture in until it dissolved into a dark mush, and I poured several buckets and emptied a nearby septic tank. As for the blood... As for the blood in the basin, I waited until it coagulated, dried it in the, gr- in the oven, ground it in with the flour, and made some really nice tea cakes. I served them up to all my lady friends, and even Giuseppe and I had them. They were pretty good. Yo, nice. this chick, I can't even, like, look in the napkin after I sneeze sometimes. She's fucking, like, <laughs> digging out the septic tank. Well, it was a different time. They, yeah. they used it- everything. So, no. so yeah, so not only that, but she also <laughs> fed this to her neighbors, herself, and her son, who she's trying to save. Maybe that was part of the process. I don't know. Waste not, yeah. want not, Well, right? apparently it didn't work, because she read the cards again. She's still getting the same answer. Giuseppe's going to die. So she figures, let's try it again. So, <laughs> let's try again. Maybe that soul wasn't the right So soul. she literally did the exact same maneuver again with her next victim, uh, Francesca Soavi. And it was the exact same thing. Write letters to your family. Tell them everything's great, that you're with your loved one now. Um, brought her over, drugged her, cut her up, made some more tea cakes and soap. Uh, the bonus wasn't as good this time. It was only 5,000 lira. <laughs> ah, well, you win some, yeah, you lose some, right? Yeah, really, bed for less than 40,000 lira. Come on now. I mean, you know, oh, but just wait. It, it, it's, it's kind of like it evens out at the end from this, like, dip in her funds. Uh, because she does it one more time. Because, you know, if you've done it twice, you might as well go for the hat trick. Well, three, three is a lucky number. Yeah, yeah three is a lucky think, number in superstitious things anyways. Third time. I think that might be the new motto of this show. If you do it twice, you might as well go for the hat trick. <laughs> you gotta go for the hat trick. <laughs> um, so finally, she does another one. Uh, and this woman's name was, uh, I'm probably going to mess this one out, uh, Cassiopas. And Cassiopa were better than I would have ever yeah. done. And she was actually a little bit uh, more famous. She used to be a soprano in the opera. So people kind of knew about her. She wasn't working anymore at the time, but she was a name a couple years ago. And they follow the exact same pattern, write letters, drugged wine, cut you up, tea cakes. But the problem <laughs> is that Capiosa, uh, she had a sister who was really close to her. And she grew suspicious when she suddenly disappeared. Like, no, she would have told me that she had some new man and she wouldn't just run off like that. So she starts asking around and she finds out that the last place her sister was seen was going into Chanchuli's house. So she goes and fetches the police. And sure enough, they find all the evidence like right away, like 
she was the opposite of Dexter. Just like kind of left everything bloodied and <laughs> hanging like out. You walk in the door and shit's on the floor. <laughs> there's, a, there's just like a dead guy sitting there. Well, she did manage oh. to get her done up too. In fact, um, Chanchuli even commented that the third victim was actually even sweeter than the other ones. Aww. Oh. She Ooh. actually commented that Ooh. she tasted better. One you know, of the cops is like been, chewing on a tea exactly, cake and like spits it, it been out. Perfect if one of the cops had eaten it. Yeah, and um, but also from this third victim, she got fifty thousand lira and a set of of uh, really expensive jewelry that she could then sell. So Ooh. it was a major cash payout. Now she's like, I want to do and this some more. great tea. Cakes. Yes, um, but as as soon as she gets caught, Chanchuli immediately confesses to everything. She's like, Listen, you got my bloody axe, the bloody basin. I mean, I'm. The, the pot's boiling, you know, like, <laughs> you pretty much caught me dead to rights. And she confesses everything. She completely unrepented. She even goes so far as to correct the official court statement about, no, I used seven liters, not six, of caustic soda. Jesus Thank Christ. Jesus. She wants the record keeping to be accurate because fuck ancient record keeping, but today we got standards, <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> Um, and she was sent to she was sentenced to life in prison, but also three years in a psychiatric ward. Well, and it was actually in the psychiatric ward in which she suffered uh, a cerebral uh, hemorrhage and died. So I guess shock therapy didn't work out for her too well. I don't know. <laughs> oh, damn. But um, actually, today you can go and check out some of these artifacts from her case in the Criminology Museum in Rome, in which they actually have the copper pot in which she would boil her victims. Oh Ooh. yeah, I'm sure it's been clean, Steve. <laughs> I don't know. Just man. don't buy the tea cakes in the gift shop afterwards. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, are you kidding me? They're fucking marketing those tea cakes. Got, like, it's like the Holocaust Museum. They've got, got little pictures picture of kids on them. On them. Yeah, it's like it's like grandma's cookies that you see in the supermarket. Except it's like you know, like Tia Chanchule's tea cakes. You know. <laughs> Here's a little bio of the woman whose who's blood is in. Yes. <laughs> she was A negative. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, a couple interesting things. Actually, this is a really popular story, especially over in Italy. They've done a couple uh, a couple TV uh, miniseries about it. They've done a few operas and plays about it. And even just recently, in 2016, there's an 11-minute Italian short about it. Uh, in which Italian. the star of the movie is a direct descendant of Chanchuli. It's her great great niece. Well, okay, so really? then it worked. <laughs> yeah, because obviously her children. No, it, no, hundred percent worked. Shit, there's no right. There's no record of Giuseppe dying. I so, mean, he eventually died. I'm sure. But no, but not in the war, <laughs> though. You know, no, he, no, he got Highlander status from this. <laughs> yeah, really. unless you cut off his head. <laughs> <laughs> but but the quickening hasn't come yet. So yeah. Oh, my God. Only one Giuseppe can live. Yeah. But no, yeah, so apparently <laughs> shit worked. She was right. So, Dude, so who really won in this one? Do I you think, think he I like think felt bad? We all did. I think we all did. I think the listeners Everyone won. won. I, ju I just wish there was a historical record of how bad the people felt after they found out there was what in those cakes? <laughs> <laughs> well, that is some straight Sweeney Todd shit. Oh, yeah. Though. Dude. Oh yeah, it's fucking Jesus. It's metal as shit. That was a great story. That was some good scrolls, yeah, good, Greg. Thank you, good thank scrolls, you. Scrolls, Greg. Good scrolls. Yeah, damn. Holy shit, we just made it through four stories, <laughs> and they were all excellent. Yeah, they were all really, really Yay! good. Yeah, those women though. 
Oh my god, those lady yeah, killers. Crazy. <laughs> crazy. I told yeah, my girlfriend did- that I was doing lady killers and she was like like guys that are good with women oh like no like serial killer women i was like i was like doing research i'm doing research on lady killer <laughs> you just keep coming across that awesome tom hanks movie you know <laughs> i see that on netflix and i'm always like uh, watch it it's good it. Uh, yeah is it good? It, no, honestly it's funny it's good greg likes bad movies no so. but this is a good movie it's it's kind of like a, a funny thing happened on the way to the forum meets like the heist I mean, Lauren, have you listened to some of the movies that Dave and I enjoy? <laughs> yeah, we we drove like a couple hours just to watch Tremors Five together. Hell like, yes! <laughs> which, which we didn't make it. Through. Yeah, it was that bad. We got drunk in films. <laughs> <laughs> we we straight up did. But anyway, oh, Stephen. Yeah, I think this was quite a successful gathering of the minds, telling yes, it was of the histories, killing. Of the ladies, of the and the people. Okay. So I mean, just people. guys. I don't know. I think I need Morning. to do a second take. Can we start over? <laughs> oh God! Yeah. Nope. <laughs> I I have an hour and a half to kill. Sure. <laughs> Lauren and Greg, where can the people find you guys? Um. Well, you can find us at Podbeam or um, basically iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you find a podcast. Just look up Movie Date Night. Um, we're also on Twitter and Facebook at Movie Date Night. Um, and we talk a lot about what we're going to watch next so people can watch and then listen along. There you go. Steven. Awesome. Yeah. Go ahead with your bullshit. Okay, cool. So uh, we, as as the collective Bad History, we are on Podbean at badhistorypodcast.podbean.com. We're on iTunes. You can subscribe to us, rate and review us on there. We're on Stitcher. We are on uh, Google Play Music. We're on TuneIn Radio. We're on a whole bunch of other directories. We're on Facebook, Bad History Podcast. We're on Twitter, at Bad History Cast. And you can email us at badhistorypodcast at gmail.com. Oh, man, I got that down to a science. Don't do any of those things, by the way. I kind of want this shit to crash and burn, so I would appreciate it. He really wants his evenings back. Yeah. It's okay. Dave doesn't know that I've locked him into a four-year contract. Yeah, four-year contract of getting nothing. Nothing! All right. So this is going to be part one of two of kind of this crossover that we're doing with Greg and Lauren. We are going to be on their podcast uh, sometime. Um, we're not sure when these when they're going to be going up, but we're going to be on their podcast discussing uh, uh, the movie uh, American Crime with uh, Juno in it. And uh, how dare we'll, we'll you say that? Is that Ellen with Page, them. Canadian treasure. <laughs> She's Juno to me. And um, but we're going to be talking about that. So you can check that out as well. But definitely check out Greg and Lauren's channel. Um, they do. a I mean, they do a really, really their good channel. Really, really. Their podcast, you fool. It's not a channel. Check out, check out Greg and Lauren's podcast. It's really good stuff. Um, I mean, if, if you like if you like us, if you like our stupid humor, then you're going to like their humor because it's actually smart humor. Um, yeah, I listen to theirs but, and I'm like, what are they doing listening to our shit? They, <laughs> better than we are but uh anyway well, you, know, when you um, want to like have low brain function while you're just like ironing your clothes you know well that's because we edit everything <laughs> out. So, I, I, uh, again that's another motto of our show if you just want to have just low brain function. while you're ironing <laughs> that's a t-shirt for you guys while you're ironing <laughs> yeah, well, bad history while you're ironing a podcast all right anything else uh, you guys want to say Oh. Um, no, just uh, make sure that you guys know how to work your candles. Go to candles.org. 
Candles.org. I'm sure there's an instruction manual there somewhere. Hi, guys. We have have bad history. Just want you to know. Learn how to work your candles. Anyway, have a happy history and good scrolls, guys. Thanks for listening. Adios. Bye.